0: Welcome, Welcome to Fake, fake magic. magic.
1: Q, this is an article from DW.com. This is, Wait, what's your name?
0: Uh, uh, okay, my name's Matt. My name's Jordan. Okay, <laughs> this is this
1: is an article from DW, which is a German news source that is translated into English. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead. And, I, I would like to read this article. It's, the headline says, Cuba's COVID vaccine rivals Biotech, Pfizer, Moderna. By uh, Oliver Peeper. Peeper. Cuba's health authorities said this week the domestically produced uh, Abdallah vaccine has proven to be 92% effective against the coronavirus in clinical trials. DW takes a closer look. In a measure of its ambitious efforts to be vaccine self-reliant, Cuba has named one of its homegrown jabs, Abdallah, after a famous dramatic verse by independence hero and national icon Jose Marti. In the verse, the young hero, Abdallah, heads to war to defend his fatherland, full of patriotic fervor no matter how strong and powerful the enemy. From the perspective of many Cubans, it's the perfect name for the first COVID-19 vaccine to be developed in Latin America and the perfect imagery for the story of a tiny island of 11 million inhabitants eager to show it can't be broken by a deadly virus and a 60-year economic blockade by the United States and a country that boasts several brilliant scientists of its own, Cuba's new scientist star. One of them is Gerardo Enrique Nieto. Director of Biomedical Research at the Center for Genetic Engineering and Biotechnology (CIGB) in Havana, where Abdallah was developed. Last Sunday on Father's Day, Cuban television ran a commercial featuring the 58-year-old Ian Ian Nieto. Accompanied by melodramatic music, it opened with the scientist in his clinic while his son talked off-camera about his father works tirelessly for his family and the people. We have worked full time since the beginning of the pandemic, every Saturday, every Sunday, from early in the morning until late at night, without even a moment's rest, the highly respected scientist said in the clip. And we are very euphoric because the results have exceeded all our expectations. We knew the vaccine was very good, but not even I expected such a result. According to the state-run biotech corporation, BioCuba Pharma, Abdullah has proven about 92.28% effective against COVID-19 in clinical trials, which would put it in the same league as the most effective vaccines, Biotech, Pfizer, and Moderna. Huge applause erupted in the auditorium of the CIGB this week when the impressive results were announced. Since then, Guillén Nieto has been inundated with interview requests. The whole world wants to know Abdullah's formula for success. The Cuban vaccine is neither a vector vaccine nor does it work with mRNA technology. Instead, it's so-called protein vaccine. That means it carries a portion of the spike protein that the virus uses to bind to human cells. It docks onto the receptors of the virus's own spike protection, thus triggering an immune reaction. The scientists are using yeast as a receptor-binding domain. The government vaccination program was rolled out in mid-May with Abdullah and the second homegrown vaccine, Soberana 2, even before the completion of the third phase of clinical trials. These are the first vaccines on the island, since Cuba declined importing any shots from Russia or China. Cuba has also decided against joining the UN-backed COVAX initiative, a global project aimed at getting COVID-19 shots to countries regardless of their wealth. We know that in the end, we always have to rely on ourselves, on our own strengths and abilities, said Guillen Nieto, alluding to the political isolation caused by the U.S. embargo. The result is a healthcare system that is not only free of cost, but also centrally controlled, and that has perfected the ability to respond quickly to disasters, be it with clinical trials, with vaccination campaigns, or even the production of a vaccine. According to Guillén 2.2 million Cubans have already received their first vaccination, 1.7 million their second, and 900,000 their third dose. Abdullah is administered in three doses, with two weeks between each vaccination. Based on the government's ambitious plan, 70% of the country's population should receive their shots by August. It's a race against time because the number of new infections on the Caribbean island is steadily rising with more than 2,000 cases a day. Nearly 1,200 people have died of COVID-19 in Cuba. Guillén Nieto is counting on the vaccination campaign to give him a decisive advantage over all other countries in the world in the fight against the virus. Here, there is an unprecedented level for trust in the Cuban health system, he said. For example, we never have problems finding volunteers when it comes to clinical trials. In Cuba, people are extremely eager to be vaccinated. No one here would think of not getting inoculated because everyone knows how important vaccinations are. An independent panel of experts in Havana will now scrutinize the Abdullah vaccine. and official emergency approval is expected in the next two weeks. After that, Cuba could also apply to the World Health Organization for approval of Abdallah for international use. Bolivia, Jamaica, Venezuela, Argentina, and Mexico have already signaled interest. But is Abdallah really the miracle vaccine that the numbers promise? Perhaps Jose Moya is the man best placed to address this. The Peruvian doctor started out as an epidemiologist 30 years ago in his native Ayahuasca Ayacucho, pardon me, and the workers for Doctors Without Borders in Guatemala, Mozambique, and Nigeria. For the past two years, Moya has been the representative in Cuba of PAHO, Pan American Health Organization, a regional organization of the WHO with 27 country offices, and he trusts the Cuban figures. The CIGB Research Institute has 30 years of experience in vaccine research. I trust the results that have been published. These are serious studies with the participation of researchers and institutions committed to science, Moya said. The best proof is the fact that 80% of all Cuba's vaccines are produced in the country itself, Moya said. He was not surprised by the high efficacy of Abdallah, saying it was simply the logical consequence of a healthcare system that had been performing steadily well for decades. Already, the results published by the scientists beforehand showed a good response in terms of antibody production, he said. Cuban President Miguel Diaz-Canel, however, does not want to dwell on scientific assessments of the new vaccine. For him, the country's drive to pursue homegrown solutions rather than importing foreign Vaccines are a triumph of Cuba's biotech industry. This success can only be compared to the greatness of our sacrifices. It is an example of the pride with which a country treats its pharmaceutical industry, which has been living with the U.S. economic embargo since 1962,
0: he said. Yeah, so. So, uh, just interestingly, I the name of the vaccine is Abdullah? Abdullah, A-B-D-A-L-A. That reminds me of Neville Goddard's teacher Abdullah. Yeah, that's uh, yeah the mystic. Yeah, that just I mean it's a random thing, but
1: the reason that I wanted to share the article was that I I found that article on Reddit. That article was on the subreddit World News, which is one of the subs that's highly populated, and mm-hmm. and it's one of the suggested ones when you first get an account. It's when you're automatically subscribed to. Uh, It's always on the front page uh, due to its traffic. It's also highly censored and extremely propagandized.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, typically the popular news subreddits are extremely... really gross. uh, ...censored. Also, there's speculation that um, Ghislaine Maxwell... Had a Reddit account and I've was moderating uh, one. I don't remember which news subreddit, but she moderated their speculation because certain things coincided with her uh, arrest and all of that. Uh, I don't think it's verified, but there's speculation that her she had a high-level Reddit account that was moderating several subreddits.
1: Have you seen uh, the Hillary Clinton? Uh, he was a campaign staffer. He was in charge of tech. And he was asking for advice on how this tech, this Hillary. Let let, let me look it up really quick because this is actually this coincides with this pretty directly, and I think it would be
0: appropriate to discuss. Okay. Um, so today, uh, while he's looking that up, we're uh, we're going to get into banishing, how to do it. Um, That's honest. Like if you ever get into magic, that should be like the first skill that you should. Uh, become acquainted with. Um, We'll dive into it. This
1: Washington Post (laughs) article, the headline is Hillary Clinton's IT guy asked Reddit for help altering emails a Twitter sleuth claims. And if you, the, the account's been oh, deleted, but there's yeah, the screenshots, yeah, yeah. it's really gross. It wasn't uh, Podesta, right? No, it was not Podesta. It was uh Paul Combetta.
0: But it was part of that um, whole fiasco. Yeah. Right?
1: He was in cohorts with whoever the whistleblower was on Donald. Cause did you hear about that whole thing about how the whistleblower on Donald that led to the first impeachment? You couldn't Google his name.
0: No, but, but it doesn't put into like a me. witness
1: protection program by yeah. the big tech companies. Mm. Is really perverted. I, I'm shooting from the cuff a little bit there because again, it's actually hard to find details on that. Yeah, because they kept the whistleblower so under wraps. There wasn't any like even like legit news leaks that came out about it. Mm. Just to circle the wagons on that cube article though, the reason I even bring it up is just if you want an example of propaganda that you can go read and ma- and uh, consume, just. Right now, if you go look that up on Reddit, again, uh, it's under our world news. It's one of the top stories right now. Uh, when I last checked, it, it had about 15,000 upvotes, which means it's, it's been viewed a lot. Right. Uh, and it's at a 93% upvote rate. So, I mean, it's it's drawing attention. The responses are incredible. Are The they responses also, are incredible. Are they also you, bot-like?
0: Well, the the
1: discourse of it really comes. So, are across. you saying
0: this is propaganda, or are you saying well that this is a good thing? Are you saying this is a bad thing? That's a great question. I, I don't. I,
1: what I'm saying is this article to me reeks of Cuba has a vaccine that is legit. And the West is going to do everything they can to add slants to it. Oh, okay, I see and what you're saying. And so basically what's happening is the, the the top comment when I last checked was like, of course Cuba says it's a 92% effective rate. It's ran by a dictatorship regime. They're going to pad those numbers. This is just prime examples of how our perception of worldview of anybody who isn't in our Western block is is demonized. Yeah. And when Cuba, who touts this remarkable pharmaceutical industry, when they come up with something that usurps the American methodology, it's immediately discounted.
0: Yeah, which I hate because we would be so much more prosperous if we decided to actually work with any other country who wanted to work with us. This is also um again, this is
1: this treads into a territory of an interesting discourse, but I do want to just at least bring it up this is a really good example of ethno nationalism when it's functioning at a level that's conducive for the people where Cuba said that they didn't want the Chinese vaccine. uh, That was a real Testament to me of their solidarity. Yeah. Um, What I'm trying to get at is this is just an example of communism can work.
0: Oh, this I is an example
1: to me, and I, I suppose I should have started with that thesis. Communism can work, and it can benefit things that rival the capital market, and I would say even uh, dominate them, quite frankly. I
0: in it, uh, Yeah, I, I could see how either system of thought could have their strengths and their weaknesses. Right. Um, I'm not necessarily apolitical, but I just, we don't, I, no country has pure capitalism or pure communism it's always a hodgepodge yeah
1: ideologies are collapsing around the the main the meta ideology of the world right now is the absence of ideology which is going to become this whole new thing it's like atheism of like worldview Mm -hmm. it's not even nihilism it's like this new ascribed religion of not believing in anything which is creating like a techno barbarism i think uh ultimately it's this idea that well, you can't do it that way. This way sucks, but at least we've got this way. Like, I guess we just have to make it work with what the system that we have, which is like this just apathetic driven... That's sort
0: of what I'm at though. Because for me, I just... I can't change everybody's ideology, so I have no choice but to adapt. Okay, and Uh, at one level, I can admire that. And I don't think it's wrong. I think if people are becoming more and more empowered and there's a if there's a way for me to like physically join some sort of movement that i could see you can actually enact some change i you know i wouldn't be opposed to that i just don't see that happening interesting uh you know like are black lives matter protests still happening I think the best thing that came out of those protests was people actually taking material goods from corporations. I agree. That I think that scared them more than any other thing. Yeah. Uh, and I guess it's just not happening anymore.
1: Well, <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, one, one thing I will say, and uh, Gordon White is a really good one to check out on this. Also, the Astrology Podcast, that's the name of it. It's a very popular one. It's a really good one to check about this. So. They, both of these podcasts forecasted June as a really prosperous month for the zeitgeist for the collective unconscious. Uh, I can personally attest to that myself. Jordan and I had a brief conversation before we went live yeah, this about week how was... June, the end of June has been really good. And and uh, if it hasn't been for you, I'm, I'm sorry. I am still really
0: optimistic for you. Do some magic.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but I will say I have heard people around me who have said that June's a good month. Now, the reason that I bring this up is because both of these astrology blocks have said to buckle up for 2022. That 2022 is going to be protests even more strenuous and intensive than the Black Lives Matter movements after the murder of George Floyd.
0: I thought they said they, that it was going to happen this year as well. Oh, really? Espe- especially in I, I forgot if it might have been the Gordon White uh, Austin Pollock, yes uh, uh, forecast. The 21 H1. Yes. Well, they said that they're supposed to be, and honestly, I'm not super aware, so it might be happening. But there, there were, it was going to hit the EU pretty hard.
1: The, the The theory right now is that the EU will start to dissolve in 2022. Okay. That the protests will start there. If you look at what's going on in Colombia right now, the protests there are pretty wild mm-hmm. against the government. Mm-hmm. The, Bra- yeah. the Brazilian okay. ones against Bolsonaro are going to start to rev up. And then, and then the American ones, according to the forecast, will take off in April of 2022.
0: Okay. So we're going to get a slight reprieve. Yeah. And then and buy this is, all of your toilet paper before. It's no joke. This is baked into the cake, too,
1: <laughs> because the astrology forecast that I got was that basically June to October is going to be
0: great for this year, for this year.
1: Um, and then going transitioning into the winter is going to be very winter driven emotionally, like the seasonal affective depression, like this, like overcast, at least on the Northern hemisphere. And then going into the spring in the West is going to be a circus.
0: Um, was that, they just released that forecast semi recently.
1: No, it was within the last... It was like maybe two or three months ago.
0: For the 21H2? Yeah. Okay. I might just link it for people who might be interested.
1: If you haven't checked out Gordon White, I, just, oh, I know we've talked it. about him a lot. What I like it's, about Gordon is he does a really good job at keeping magic really black and white. Um, as far as... Well, well, his approach
0: a, is almost purely academic, but yes. he he's also a practitioner. So he tries to make it very logical. And honestly, he he portrays it in a way that makes sense more than almost any other magical teacher that I've uh, come across. Yeah.
1: And the thing is, is so one of the things that can happen for me, and I would like to preface this by saying I am arguably the most guilty person of doing this is you get talking about magic you're going off the rails a little bit, and then it's just word salad after word salad after word salad, and things aren't coherently making sense.
0: You just have these ideas, and there's just stream of conscious spinning yeah. in circles. It's sort of like reading Aleister Crowley.
1: Yes, uh, that's go- sort of
0: what, what magic devolves into. Yes, because it, I think, from the people spewing. It make it, it can make sense in their own head, and they make they've made all these connections. But to someone who has little to no experience with mysticism or magic, it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. And
1: so the reason I bring that up is because Gordon does a really good job, first of all, of reigning his guests, and he doesn't have very many that go off the tracks. And if they do, it's more often than not fascinating. But he does a really good job at keeping well, the conversation. He going. also
0: doesn't back down from like a debate. Nope. Like like if he has an opinion he's not going to change the opinion and he's going to argue for it. He's going to accept it. He'll be like, Hey, we have a difference in opinion. You know, that doesn't bother me. It's not personal, but he's going to like, I mean, I've heard him, I don't remember which interview it was, but, uh, basically they're saying like SSRIs might be no better than placebo because people who only believe in the SSRI, it will work for them. If you don't believe in the SSRI, it doesn't work. So he's saying to someone that, It does nothing. The SSRI does nothing, and he didn't back down on that point. I wish I could remember the specific interview, but whatever. (laughs) Yeah, which, again, I think is a really healthy discourse to have. Um
1: not to venture too far there, I, I definitely want to get talking about The Banishings, but uh, yeah, just... just oh, we're
0: still good. We're, we're in the you beginning so? here. Yeah, Heard. heard. Okay. We, we could go well, up to like if, a half hour if or that's something. The
1: case, if that's the case, I would like to maybe expand just a little bit on Gordon White as well. I think he does a great job of exploring every realm of politics. He, I love listening to him talk politics.
0: I can't... He's so good at it, and he's good. I, I don't think I completely agree with him on everything he says, but... I find him, I find myself agreeing with him more on politics than almost any other person Me too. I listen to. I who's think like he a leaves a lot of room. personality. He leaves a lot yeah. of room
1: to find common ground without being a grifter.
0: And he tries to look at every aspect and just come up with theories that make sense because everything's connected. And he looks at all of these seemingly very different Uh areas of politics and brings them together in a way that makes more sense.
1: Yeah. He had this guest on most recently that he's an author. He does like erotic gay fan fiction. Nice. It was really cool discourse that they had about politics. They were talking about American politics and basically how, uh, American politics has taken over as the religion of the West
0: Was that that wasn't the Marxist guy, was it? No, okay. No,
1: the Marxist conversation was that was pretty good good. too. Yeah, he does a really good job at offering healthy critiques on Marxism, Marxist Leninism, which I think is a good thing. Um, Nothing's more difficult to me than having a conversation with a Marxist Leninist who doesn't want to defend the issue, and I understand to the Marxist Leninists that would listen to this that are annoyed that I would say that. Uh, I, I get it, because you're constantly having to defend yourself, especially in the West. But there are, there are healthy criticisms. It's okay to just go, yes, that's a healthy criticism, and let it flow, uh, instead of constantly trying to talk yourself out of a brown paper bag. Uh, you know, like, this Marxist that he had on didn't defend Stalin. He's, like, not a full-blown tanky. Right. But, like, he he also was able to actually talk about, like, dialectical materialism, like, the affects the theoretics of it, in a healthy way that... that really helped find common ground. I want to say one thing about that Cuban vaccine. If you look at the way that this Cuban vaccine was portrayed by this doctor with his nationalism as a Cuban, I can't help but think that this is what the Republicans, like the conservatives of the United States want. They just don't understand that what they want is mutual communal structures because they have been so perverted in their thought processes of how to interact as a community but i think like the idea in a lot of these american conservatives heads is they want things in the united states to work on a material level and and be coherent and we want to be able to take care of ourselves self sufficiently
0: yeah i think it's left brain thinking basically trying to save itself from its own ego death um Ooh. or it's it's rejecting the integration of the right brain sort of theory of the unconscious and subconscious and that's also where like the actual magic comes into play well and and
1: just to add on to that i think american politics is starting to do this thing where it's horseshoeing so hard from both parties that you're going to start getting conservatives that are going to start making talking points that are literally like Maoist talking points with a different flavor and the Democrats are going to continue to double down into the scarlet letter puritanical or puritanicism that they want, which is going to make them sound like Mussolini and they're, they're literally horseshoeing against each other. So the Democrats are moving into this like techno fascist empire that they want. And then the conservatives are trying to create an ethno state. Yeah. And it's like, you guys literally met somewhere and waved at each other and kept go- walking in different directions instead of walking together. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, in my opinion, it's already yeah, started at, in at a lot the, of regards in
0: the end. It's pretty much the same thing that that we would end up with. Uh, it, if we go to those extremes, it's
1: so ironic to me too, because I'm just reminded that you can just be so sure of things that are so, so wrong va- and yeah. vapid. Uh You know, it's like, how do you worship at the altars of an ideology that like inherently gets to be flawed because it's like been observed and created by humans.
0: And I like how they talked about how, especially American politics are just, they're just religions at this point. There's, there's your popes and your thought leaders and you're like, you're sold the idea that you're compassionate if you're a Democrat or you're fiscally responsible, if you're a conservative and they just try to make it really simple. And it's,
1: and it's so funny to me that the fiscally conservative thing is their hill to die on because that's so contrived. You look at these conservatives, their ideology right now, they're all buying it. I want to say the middle class and up of the Republican party are buying homes right now and renting them out with
0: money that they don't have. So they're literally borrowing money, which is not a fiscally conservative uh, mindset. That's the whole system. Well, they, the thing is they know how it works. Like all the business majors and all that, they understand that everything is debt based and there's fiat currency and that you must finance a business with debt you typically must finance a, a business with debt before you can make money I
1: agree I but that is also not fiscal conservation no it's not and and so it's just like I we agree on that what I'm saying is like they are lying through their teeth oh, they're yeah. just they're branding themselves uh-huh. as like the Dudley do rights yeah well, and, and, like... and it really makes me think of that like the Conservative Party is truly like the sheriff of Nottingham or <laughs> or like the cowboy the cowboy in the uh, Western that's the sheriff of the town and then in the second act of the film you you find out that he's actually the villain
0: yeah and, and it's That's just what like, it is it's, yeah.
1: it, they have their own flavor of virtue signaling uh-huh and it's just like insane to me and it's all dogmatic I mean their's is predicated on this idea of like the 1950s typical home and they're trying to be the good Christian father but like Christianity's out of fashion so like if you're a Christian now you in any facet you don't really need to let people know you need to just kind of play the part in public and people will let you into those social circles
0: yeah Christianity's I mean, they, they co-opted Christianity because... Uh, and mean, turned it
1: into an MLM.
0: They did. Because, uh, I mean, if you look at Christianity in the early 20th century, I mean, there's a massive Christian socialist movement. Um, and the the Republican Party absorbed the idea of Christianity. And they're like, well, the Democrats aren't the party of God. We are. And they get everyone who's scared of sinning and devils and gay people to coalesce together and basically follow the Republican Party's marching orders and ideology when people say when
1: Republicans use the talking point of the Democrats are the original racist like you look at like the Southern Democrats they're, they're, they're not wrong They're not wrong. It's like over
0: hundreds of years, political parties can evolve and change. Like, you know, this is the the,
1: party of Andrew Jackson. Like, I'm I'm not defending the Democratic Party. That's for sure.
0: Oh, for sure. But it's just calling the kettle. It's the pot calling the kettle black. Exactly. Uh, Because, you know, like we're the party of Lincoln. And I'm like, yeah, the Republicans in the 1800s, were a much different party than they are well, today. Well,
1: not only that, much different. I, I mean, Lincoln is com- criminally misattributed as wanting to free the slaves because he was like this woke king. He was he not wanted to keep the empire he together. He wanted to keep the empire together. Yeah, yeah. He he it, saw it, that the in- industry of the North, with the technological revolution or evolutions, had did not need slave power anymore, but there was a way to commodify the slaves into something else that had stock.
0: Yeah, you can still exploit them, just and not the South explicitly. just did
1: not want to evolve. And this, to me, is, is a hyperbole, or a metaphor, pardon me, to why you see so many Confederate flags and statues and the doubling down of it, is what those people are saying, and it's the same hill that they're dying on by not getting vaccinated to, in my opinion, in the West, uh, is... They're trying to keep things though in the past, they want to push they don't want to change. back. Yeah. They yeah. don't want change. And so they're going to continue in pretty their Autistic hearts, of them in their health. They are being rebellious. I can say that. Cause I'm autistic. Yeah. There you go. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Like you get to be like, they are yeah, seeing that, themselves as rebels.
0: Yeah. They're like, yeah, they're like my freedom. And like, it's, your freedom to go the, eat at Chili's a, on
1: Saturdays and, go and, not see, yeah, and not wear a mask and not wear a mask. And, and I, I I'm burning the popcorn on this cause I've talked about it so many times on the podcast, but it's just like an example of like our concept of freedom in this country in this culture is not freedom. Uh, it's a synthetic version of it that we have grown accustomed. You're
0: to. only really free if you're mentally free. And that's why I think, magic in general and for me it was chaos magic helped me become more mentally free if you're not mentally free if you subscribe to dogma uh it doesn't matter how many like physical rights you have like in the physical world uh, you're going to be played like a fiddle yeah I agree so oh man I was gonna oh sorry what I was gonna say was uh, I mean with the civil war you could think of it almost like the revolutionary war part two cuz like if we lost the revolutionary war uh we would have called it a civil war um with england and the U- united states would be the united states of england or something yes or it would just it would have just been the united kingdom with the big giant america on the map and, as well as the right. Other territories right so uh, that's actually well put. Like, uh, we they they the propaganda is like free the slaves, but there there's a lot of nuance, and there's just with politics there's a lot of evil shit. Well, it's always a way, it's a way for the imperialists
1: the to pat themselves on the back for having thinking that well, they've done something, and also
0: right. to sell it to yeah. just people who are susceptible and don't have the full story well
1: and, and i mean even even from that era and and mind you the democrats and the republicans really skirted around using this kind of phraseology until it finally got brought to light but like like jefferson is referred to in history as, and i kid you not it says this a quote good slave owner unquote yeah and, and i think i've seen and that. and his his home monticello is a historical landmark that people all over this country go and make pilgrimages to Okay. So when you do it in the United States, it's this thing of like, well, it was a different time and that's what they're doing. And, and, and and they helped to find this country that we are in now. And and we consider it this noble pursuit and that people are flawed. But when now I I do want to take it here is when the Chinese people go and take these Pilgrimages to like Maoist or these huge Cultural Revolution landmarks—it's seen as indoctrination or as in like bra- cultural brainwashing. Which, look, it could be, but it's really again so tongue-in-cheek to suggest that when the United States has its own flavor of it.
0: Yeah, like we we do the same thing. We just don't tell anybody about it. We just do a way better job at the branding on it,
1: you know. Well, for, like, our, people. I, for I think our people, I
0: think people outside can see it black and white. Oh yeah, it's much easier to. It's much easier to give advice than it is to like practice for for someone else. Like you can see the situation clearly when you're looking at a third party, but when you look at your own life, you just don't, you have those blind spots and it's the same on a, a, a national level. You know, what's funny is this reminds me of in the, have you read in the red book where
1: Jung was talking about the lady who was having troubles with her husband? And he said, what do you think the root cause of it is? And she's like, well, I don't know. And that's why I'm here. And he goes, What do you think I think is the root cause of your marriage problems? And she goes, oh, well, it's obvious that it's this, this, this. And she goes on for 25 minutes and he goes, okay, so you said all of these things that you think that I'm perceiving. Okay. Those were
0: your words. Yeah. So this is not
1: what I'm thinking. This is a good, uh, that's a
0: good thought exercise. This is you extrapolating
1: all of the unconscious data from your brain and using me as a channel. Yeah,
0: and that's uh, a good technique. Actually. Oh yeah.
1: I've actually, I had a friend who was going, I'll keep this vague. Uh, he was going through some relationship problems and he asked me to talk to him about, he somehow organically got brought up between us. And I always pumped the brakes on that kind of shit. Cause I really, first of all, I, I, I don't want to be in the middle of it. But second of all, I uh, don't want to offer advice. And I was like, well, what do you think is the net result of this? And he was like, well, I don't know. And the way he was thinking, he just kept hitting a brick wall. And I was like, what do you think that, I am going to tell you different. And he goes, well, I was thinking this and this and this. And I was like, well, then that's your answer, dude. Yeah. You're you're like trying to get me. to. It's so interesting
0: how like, it's such a small, simple mental block, but it's so hard to access that, that portion of our brain because of how we've been raised. Well, it's just like,
1: it's just like, especially a romantic partner. If they ask you, do I look good in this? Uh, You always, I mean, I'm not telling you what to do, but my, that's something that I've learned in this is I always say, how do you feel in it?
0: Ooh, that's a good one. How do you feel in it? We might've talked about this before. I can't because remember, it's like, if you feel good in
1: it, then it's great. If you are
0: asking me, you asking me concerns me. See, cause this, I feel like it's a defense mechanism of the ego, because if you say, well, Yo. and then they're like, oh, they, they can blame you because you're like, well, I'm not sure if that looks great on you. You can project onto them and blame them instead of facing it yourself. That's really well put. That's, that's interesting. Really, it
1: like, it, it like, uh, lessens the blow a little bit.
0: Yeah. Cause you're like, Oh, it's them. Not me. Even though like they knew the whole time they looked oh, like that's shit in it.
1: So interesting. Uh, oh, that's so interesting. I remember being like in the seventh grade and I went to a dance and I danced with this girl and I wanted to get her phone numbers. This was back when you had to like write them down on paper and shit. And instead of doing it, I asked someone to do it for me. And they went and did it and then she said no and they came back and it was like this whole thing that like stuck with me for a long time and I'm thinking about that now that I literally set myself up for, huh, <laughs> that's interesting. You, then, right. then you wonder like with that facsimile like how many times have I done this like same exact, gone through these same motions, just glossed over in another lived experience how many times do I keep repeating this cycle and expecting different results? Which is literally like i the thing that I've asked myself like before, if I'm like, am I going insane? The definition of insanity, as corny as this is, is doing the same thing multiple times and expecting different results. That's the definition yep.
0: of insanity. And it's also a hard pill to swallow because I've, uh, I mean, I've even talked to my therapist lately about it. And she even brought that up because uh, there's just certain things in my life where I keep trying to like hold on to it but I know I need to do something different and I don't want to, and I don't want to accept it. I'm just being real vague, but what I'm saying is I understand like,
1: well, and it's like, it sucks. Nothing's more sad to me. Like I had a friend who his grandmother was on her deathbed and, uh, all the kids were in the room and out of nowhere, she goes, I never loved your father. There was a man before him that I should have been with. And I never was. And I've regretted it my whole life. And
0: then she died. Oh my god. <laughs> Man, what a what a hammer. When I was a kid, hey, at least she's being honest was, at one when point. When I was a kid
1: or when I when I first heard that. Yeah, when I first heard that I was like that cruel bitch. Like she literally I, I actually just admire she her. just traumatized her kids. She did, but she was she, also
0: being honest yeah, about her feelings. Yes, yeah,
1: yeah, it's like Even too if little it too sucks. late, you know. Yeah, it is. but but like okay, now this is the thing is as I get older, and I've had more conditional karma, more lived experiences, more failures, more successes i I really get where she's coming from, and sometimes I'll think about that story and I'll be like, "Hey, um, am I being a deathbed grandmother right now like right is like, this like am I making some it, really regrettable it, yeah. choices am or, i gonna or like, if
0: i'm letting am I letting myself stay in a situation that I hate?
1: Yeah, am I gonna be a hundred years old and or, well, I god, I hope not. um am I gonna be on my deathbed and say I regret this thing that I did in my life. It set me up for all of these things, you know, and, and here's the thing is like, it's never too late to reconcile those things. Mm-hmm. It's never too late to reconcile those things.
0: You can. Yeah. Like the best it's like investment. It's like the best time to invest was 20 years ago. The next best time is today. Yeah. I so, agree. You know, like I had, I have a friend, like I, I grew up in uh Mormon in Boise and I had a friend uh, who really tried to make the church work for him for a long time? And he's in his, he was at least in his 50s. He might have been in his 60s when he finally came out gay. And you know what? I mean, maybe he only has 15, 20 more years to live. But, but they're I, authentic. I guarantee you, he's going to emotionally feel a lot better. You know, you can look back and be like, I wasted all that time and I have a problem with that and I'm trying to get over it. But at the end of the day, it's better to make the change now. If you, if you can, and whatever steps you can, even if they're little steps.
1: Well, I've said before that, like, it's not that I regret making mistakes. It's that I wish I would have been aware that they were mistakes sooner. Yeah. But then here's the other, here's the, here's the real enigma with that thought process is if you had become aware of them sooner, you would not be where you are now. So, so the celebration, the celebration is to inherently accept where you are in the moment and be so thankful for that. All your lived experiences got you here
0: and you are well, um, there's a Napoleon Hill quote that I'm going to paraphrase and then we can get into the banishing. Great. Uh, but it goes, I can't remember exactly word for word what it was, but it goes along the lines of, um, Every hardship, every atrocity, every adverse situation, there's the seed of equal or greater benefit. So what that means is literally any situation you can be in, you can spin it, you can learn the lessons from it, you can make changes to your behavior, and you can... What the promise is in that quote is whatever depth of uh, suffering you've been through, you can also achieve the same height of joy, happiness, uh fulfillment, etc.
1: Just one Carl Jung quote to cap that. He my favorite Carl Jung quote of all time. I don't want to be good. I don't want to be good. I, I want, want to, to be whole. whole.
0: Yeah, yep. I just read that this week too. That's so funny. So good. Uh okay, well let's uh let's get into banishing. Lesser well, banishing uh, ritual of the pentagram. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> okay, so I just wanted to go over banishing just the concept of banishing before we get into the golden dawn because you can argue that even the golden dawn method is sort of like dogmatic for people who are like this is the only way you can banish and this is the most effective that's bullshit uh you can banish in any form that uh you resonate with uh even down to like if you think a thought that you hate number one you can you acknowledge the thought cause you want to integrate it like uh, with shadow work. You want to be like, okay, I had that thought. I'm not going to judge the thought, but then you say, okay, I banished that thought. Or you can even say like, fuck off to the thought. You could say, be gone thought. Yeah. <laughs> be gone thought. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know and it can be super simple uh there's a method gordon white's uh sigil method in the chaos protocols he has a banishing where i mean there's a whole step-by-step step -step procedure and we'll do we'll do a sigil episode and i'll go over gordon white's method probably because it's one of my favorites uh, at a future date but um i mean you can uh you can like hold your finger out and like your pointer and your index finger and your thumb out it's what's called a, a mudra i think where you do hand symbols, and they mean something. This is like a banishing symbol. Uh, You can use it in place of a dagger. And you can even just go in a circle and imagine basically like your arm is like a leaf blower and just blowing all of the negative... Like you can imagine particles of negative energy or smoke of negative energy, and you can imagine the leaf blower just blowing it out to oblivion where you can't even see the negative energy anymore. As you do it, you can say... Hecus, hecus, este, which we sort of covered in a previous episode. Uh, that means uh, something like uh, be removed from me, the profane, or whatever. I, I don't remember the exact translation, but, you know, something as simple as that, that could take a minute, where you just turn in a circle, you shoot all of the negative energy around. Um, but the method, the main method that uh, I use when I do more formal rituals is typically the lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram that initially came out of, uh, the golden dawn, um, the hermetic order of the golden dawn out of England. Uh, I have a free Masonic friend who believed that this was actually, this actually came out of, uh, earlier forms of, uh, Freemasonry back when they were more esoteric in a traditional Catholic baptism the hand
1: motions that are offered by the priest over the child are symbol or are to the tune of the lesser banishing ritual of the yeah. pentagram as well. Yeah.
0: And uh, a lot of it, I mean, cuz we go over the um Kabbalistic cross. Yes. That's what Catholics use yes. when they pray, when they make the sign of the cross. I literally that's crossed the, myself today as I walked
1: past the St. Peter statue, like just out of like tradition. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. interesting.
0: Yeah. Anyway. Um okay, so uh pentagram lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram i'm doing this free version just so our listeners can read it and uh, participate and look up the article if they want i'll put a link in the show notes uh, this is on Llewellyn.com. Um so the pentagram uh, the five pointed star is an ancient symbol known to virtually all peoples and cultures on earth it has been found on rock car- carvings dated back to the stone age in the western tradition of magic it represents the five elements Earth, water, fire, air, and spirit, or ether. At the same time, it symbolizes a person with legs and arms outstretched to the sides. Each of the elements is allocated to a certain point of the star, as uh, the illustration here in this article shows. Um, So, traditionally, the uh, ritual is performed while standing facing east. Uh, I've read Chaos Magic literature where you can if you don't know where east is you can have a metaphysical east <laughs> and just attribute it to that cuz the symbolism and the idea behind it is more important than the actual direction um so the gestures can be made with either the right or the left hand the direction the lines are drawn remains the same in either case you can use your magical dagger or your extended uh index and middle fingers with your thumb resting lightly under them that was the mudra we talked about earlier Um, so first you start off with the kabbalistic cross so you use your fingers or your dagger you draw energy from above and touch your forehead and then you vibrate loudly if you're in a place to do so Um, if you're not In Modern Magic, Donald Craig talks about... Oh, what was it? The magic voice or something where you can whisper it, but you put energy and intention into it. You know, I mean, if you're, like, with your parents and you're in your basement and they're going to, like, kick you out for being satanic or something, uh, you got to do it secretly. Okay, so you touch uh, your forehead and you vibrate powerfully uh, to... And then you touch uh, your right breast and vibrate powerfully. Malkuth, touch, or sorry,
1: touch it, your breast. your chest, isn't it?
0: No, this says breast. Yeah. Touch your yeah, right. Yeah, yeah.
1: So oh, no, no, yeah. So we're coming down. Top, sorry, I was bottom. like, I got okay. slightly confused. Yeah, okay, yeah. so
0: you touch your forehead, then you go down to like the middle of your chest. Your sternum, yeah. Uh, and then say Malkuth. I don't know why it says breast here, but whatever. Um, then you touch your right shoulder and uh, vibrate Vagabora and then you touch your left shoulder and vibrate Vagadula fold your arms across your chest with the palms of your hands touching your shoulders and vibrate Leolam and then hold your hands in front of your forehead and slowly pull them down to your chest and vibrate powerfully Amen and what they say I, I don't know if this is exactly what it translates to like literally, but the meaning of it is thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Literally what the Catholics do
1: still to this day, mind you. The Kabbalistic cross is still literally what the Catholics are doing.
0: Yeah. And it it probably predates Catholicism. Yes. Honestly. Um,
1: Absolutely. It does.
0: Okay. So after you do the Kabbalistic cross, you face East, draw the first pentagram with the mudra or the dagger. Um, uh, this, it says, uh, refer to the illustration, uh, but typically what you do when you start out is you do the banishing, the earth banishing pentagram. Cause it, what it it's supposed to do is, uh, <clears throat> it's supposed to banish pretty much everything and gr- just ground you to the, to the energy. It's, it's like power washing all of the energy around you. So it's a clean slate. It's more so like neutral energy than anything. So you can supposedly uh, y- use the energy there in uh, whatever form you're creating.
1: One, one aside that I want to add uh, for me with the lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram and banishings in general, I always equate them to water cleansing, like taking a shower, getting into a river. Yes. Yeah. As, banishing as in literally general. Cleaning yeah. Cleaning off my spiritual body. Oh yeah. Cleaning off my spiritual body, removing it of all blemishes. That is the, what my goal is with lesser banishing ritual. At the Yeah.
0: The, the, it's supposed to return you to like an energetic baseline where like, especially if you've never banished before, you might be walking around with a lot of heavy shit. This can help get rid of it. Um, so, uh, typically what you do with the earth banishing ritual is you start on the lower left portion of the five, uh, pointed star and then you move to the top so bottom left to the top portion of the star down to the bottom right and then up to the top left portion of the star to and then just straight across horizontally to the top right portion of the star back down to the beginning of the star honestly I might just make this diagram picture the the picture for the episode so you can see the diagram and just easily draw it for yourself. So after you draw the pentagram, um, you can imagine it as like a white light or a blue light uh, if you want. Uh, you pull your hand back to your chest, star- sharply stab your fingers or the dagger into the mid- middle of the pentagram while powerfully vibrating the Hebrew god name Yad-Heh-Vav-Heh. Uh, there's multiple pronunciations. Um, you could do Yod He, Jeho- Jehovah, Jehovah, Jehovah.
1: I personally do Yehova.
0: Yeah. And a- after this, after I explain this to you, we'll talk about the Damien Eccles um, version of this because it's also uh, pretty powerful and we'll talk about the slight differences. Um, so. After you do the first one, you vibrate Yehovah, Jehovah, Yadheva, Hey, whichever one uh, resonates with you. Keep your arm outstretched and turn 90 degrees to the south. Draw the same pentagram, that Earth pentagram that I went over. Stab the center. Vibrate powerfully, Adonai. Now you do the same thing. Arm outstretched. Turn to the west. Draw a pentagram. Stab the center vibrate eh, he uh, keep keep your arm outstretched turn 90 degrees to the north draw another pentagram stab it in the center vibrating powerfully agala some people pronounce it agla or agala um if i remember correctly that's a uh, what's the word An acronym. Duh, acronym. So that was an acronym. AGLA, A-G-L-A, is an acronym for something, and I can't remember what it was, but uh, it means some kind of longer god name or something. Okay, so you keep the arm outstretched, turn 90 degrees back to the east, so that completes a circle with pentagrams um, that connects the entire uh, magic circle that you just cast. So... Uh, what's up next is, uh, the, at least traditionally in the, uh, golden dawn tradition is the invocation of the arch, the archangels. Uh, so you're facing East, you stretch out your arms to the side and visualize yourself as an oversized black cross with a large rose blooming at the front intersecting point. I personally don't really do that, but that's what this article says, uh, When you're satisfied with the visualization, vibrate the god-names while visualizing the archangels in gigantic human form. Uh, The location of the archangels is given in the text that you will speak. So vibrate the god-names powerfully as you do so. So it's before me, Raphael... Behind me, Gabriel. On my right hand, Mikael. On my left hand, Ariel. For about me, the flames of the pentagram, and above me shines the six rayed star. Uh, when they refer to the six rayed star, it's uh, the hexagram. Um, if you're unfamiliar with it, it's typically uh, a symbol of uh, Jewish or Hebraic people. Um, it has a plethora of meanings. One of them is just—it's uh, just another symbol of the divine or of God. Um, I like to say, "Within me shines the six-rayed star," because for me personally, that represents the the spark of uh, divine power within myself and uh, within uh, everybody else. Um, so, once you finish uh, the invocation of the archangels. Uh, you finish with the Kabbalistic cross, which, uh, we went over, uh, at the beginning of this, uh, ritual. Um, there's more to this. Uh, there's a, there's another paragraph, uh, here, but I tip, I don't do that. It's a license to depart to the spirits and uh, energies, but I don't typically, uh, license them to depart because it's an energy that I want to maintain and uh, keep around me. Uh, But that being said, in my head, at least, I'd I'd say you can come and go as you please, but any benevolent being is welcome to stay if they want. Because, you know, you want the good shit around you and not just uh, whatever energy is trying to leech off of you. So... um a few differences, uh, with modern magic, he goes into detail, uh, imagining yourself basically becoming larger than the universe and all around you is space and light. Uh, and then when you imagine the archangels, uh, he describes the archangels in great detail. So you can try to visualize them as best as possible. So like Raphael would be a wearing like all white, have a caduceus. Mikael would have a, like a flaming sword dressed in red. Typically, uh, Gabriel, and um, that's water. So he would be holding a cup of water, be dressed in blue. Um, Ariel is earth. So he would be holding like a cornucopia, be dressed in green, stuff like that. um, And then there are a couple of other differences with uh, Damian Eccles method as well, which I think is uh, the main method that Matt uses when doing the lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram. Uh, Do you want to talk about those differences? Um, Uh, Yeah, so you everything that was
1: just said is extremely similar to the Damian Eccles lesser banishing ritual. He does invoke two other angels to protect from the north and the south. In the invocation of the hexagram.
0: Okay. Um, One of them is Metatron. (sighs) In the north and south, I thought it was above and below. Because we already have archangels in north and south. That's right,
1: that's right. Pardon me, it is above and below. And it's Metatron Knight. Off the top of my head without going to the... I can't remember. For the sake of time, I... I'll look it up and then clarify that. I can't remember the name.
0: So there's Metatron and Sandalfon? Sandalfon. Yeah. That's
1: what it is. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you. Uh, and, and so the idea, the imagery that he suggests is when you are invoking
0: that you are creating a shield around you. So... I think uh, so he developed this method actually in prison and I actually really like this method because I think magic is meant to be built upon and contributed to yes. like an op- open almost like an open source project and I you know IT and uh programming uh, and I think so I've actually modified my version so after you invoke the normal northwest east south uh archangels he adds above me Metatron. Um, and you can imagine him he's supposed to be the mouthpiece of God. So he's supposed to be even more angel angelic than the rest of them. So he has, I mean, you could imagine him dressed in diamonds or something, or, um, I forgot what Damien suggested. You imagine him as the,
1: the other thing with his energy is it's extremely direct. Often
0: gets misattributed as aggressive. Right, because he's going to be super honest about your shortcomings and your flaws. So, And he also is
1: completely comfortable with saying no. If you invoke Metatron, sometimes you get hard no's. Right. Like the <laughs> hardest of no's. Like his magic eight ball, you shake it and you just get no after no after no after no. Yeah. So you have to also be very comfortable with that. So,
0: I mean, he's a hard ass, but he is a He's still a benevolent, you know, wanting the higher good for humanity and all of that. So it's not yes. necessarily scary. It's just more. It's like working with a a strict teacher or mentor sort of. You, you can uh, a guru imagine guru a, of sorts too, right? Yeah, someone who's has really the heart hard of a guru on you. for sure. Uh, but for your own benefit. So, uh, and then when you invoke Sandalphon, you'll say below me, Sandalphon. And you can imagine a being like dressed in brown. I mean, like he, he, his dimension is below, is in the earth, below the earth. Uh, But that doesn't necessarily make him a lesser being. It just, that's his realm of uh, authority. I also think of him as like very magnetic. Oh yeah. That's a good idea. Very magnetic. The
1: idea with the imagery is that you're creating a a sphere around your aura that's causing your spiritual body to expand and as it expands you have this shield that encompasses your being as a sphere in front of you and that you have that protection everywhere that you go yeah it's like it's like as you walk around through the uh, the material plane you have this body of energy around you that is protecting
0: it's like uh Post Malone, you have all of your personal bodyguards around exactly. you. Exactly. <laughs> I only say that because Post Malone actually lives uh, somewhat close to here. Yeah. Uh, in the in the Salt Lake Valley. Yeah. Is it in part? He either has a house in Cottonwood he Heights or the, Park City it's or something. In the canyon, in the mouth of the canyon, yeah. to Park City. So like you you hear stories of him like randomly going to like Target and people seeing him. It's kind yep. of funny. Uh, that's a side off. Uh, so they recommend you do this uh, every pretty much every day. As much as you can. Uh, Personally, I noticed that if I stop banishing for too long, my life will begin to fall apart again. And I'll be like, God damn it. Okay, I need to banish and I'll start banishing again. If I've had a really hard day, sometimes I'll banish two or more times in a day. Like yesterday, um, I was getting into, and we'll have to do a future episode on this. I was doing some automatic writing stuff and some personal stuff. Uh, Things were coming up. And I just really felt like I needed to banish two or three times, so I did. Um, But at least once a day, they recommend once in the morning, once at night, but at least once a day. If you start doing this, make the decision now to stick with it for at least 30 days, because if not, you'll do it once. Uh, It will, what they say, light up the astral plane like a Christmas tree. And it'll start attracting uh, beings who may be interested because they're like, oh, this person's waking up. They're generating their own power, yada, yada. Uh, Potentially, malicious beings could want to feed off of that or try to exploit you. Uh, So, I mean, if you start, I personally would not recommend stopping unless you do at least 30 days of banishing just to make sure none of that weird stuff falls into the cracks um when you start doing rituals like this um donald michael craig says that there may be what he calls little nasties (laughs) which is kind of a funny term uh what that means is you might start perceiving stuff on the astral he gives an example of where he saw a and you know, it could be in your mind's eye, it could potentially be physically seeing a weird anomaly. Um, he gives an example of seeing like a snake coming, basically like coming out of a portal and going into like another portal, something weird like that. Uh, for me, I don't think I've ever actually told Matt about this, but, uh, I started, and this could have been just a a reflection of what was going on in my life at the time, but I started physically seeing my coworkers in odd places. Like I thought I saw my boss parked outside of my apartment in a car. Um, and it looked exactly like him. I mean, I could have been mistaking it. Uh, there was another time when a different coworker actually called in, uh, cause uh, his father was in like a nursing home or something, and he had to go see him. And I swore I saw him parked just outside of the of of my office in his car, talking to somebody in his car. It, it looked exactly like him. So that's my version of how the the little nasties sort of happened. Uh, but you just have to be aware that you're opening yourself up to this new energy that we have been raised to ignore and to stay away from and it's occurring
1: around you as well so yeah this is that this is the part of it that gets hard uh emotionally for me is when you start to wake up to this that experience that you're having you start to and i i try to not use the phrase see things because i think that is a misnomer but but reality on the material plane starts misbehaving
0: Yeah, it can get a little wonky. Um, You'll start probably noticing synchronicities. So like you'll be talking out loud and you'll say a sentence or a phrase and then you'll hear on the TV someone say that exact phrase. I
1: heard a story yesterday of a person who had been doing a lot of the equivalent of ceremonial magic in their own practice. And they were thinking about this friend of theirs, William, that they wanted to help heal. And they were walking downtown in a major metropolitan area. There was a homeless gentleman who was obviously troubled and as he walked past him he was thinking about this William friend. He was thinking through all of these things that happened and all of a sudden the homeless man turned around and just started going William! William! We need to fix these things with William! We we have to talk to William right away! And just started immediately speaking to him like Damn. this. Damn. Uh, Profit he was, so, he was so frightened that he went home and called this friend and the friend was like I've been waiting for this call like we I would love to resolve this with you immediately like uh and and uh I can't say I've had an experience that potent I will say that I think that a lot of people that are living in that state of consciousness are mystic mystical
0: and they're at least privy to the energy and they're they moving into the
1: next dimension
0: that they, they uh, a lot of the time i've read
1: before that um they could have unresolved karma on this plane and they're trying to move to the next realm of consciousness but they have to resolve this karma here before they go to the next realm right and uh and so the, the the moral of the story is they're very privy to the celestial energies. And, um, yeah, again, the TV talking to, uh, can be a little, a little bizarre. You
0: get a text from someone when you're thinking about them. And it's
1: just like, it's just enough
0: that it feels almost on the nose, but it's not quite, it's, it's all coincidences, but it's, you'll just notice so much more happening that it's, it's a coincidence, but it's not, I have one.
1: I had my worst mental health day since I moved to Salt Lake city. This was probably, this was last weekend. Um, it got better. It got better. Um, I was I had the day off I was wearing an outfit that I felt really nice in went out for coffee started to have just really irrational racing thoughts and I just couldn't enjoy myself at all and I was like I am going to go try and be the Buddha right now like I am carrying around all this mucky filth I want to go sit under a tree and meditate So I sat under this tree and meditated, and the whole entire time, I'm just arguing with myself in my head. I'm like, just go home, dude. Just go lay down in bed, watch TV, and just kind of try to relax your body today. And I just kept having this thought over and over again, and I was just wrestling with it, and I I started making fun of the Buddha in my head i was like what a fucking loser you know like this is this doesn't even work buddhism is so stupid and lame and i just kept having this art dialogue and i was getting aggressive i i flipped a guy off and in, in sugar house in this neighborhood and here. just
0: for some context you were raised partially buddhist yeah,
1: with buddhist affectation yeah. so i i do i do cross streams i do, i think buddhism and ceremonial magic are, are extremely related um so I get into this altercation in sugar house with this gentleman who cut, who almost hit me. I, I was in the right, but it was a, in a, a bit of an irrational way to respond to this anyway. So I'm wrestling with myself all day long, like literally two four-year-olds fighting. And as I'm walking home, I'm maybe three or four blocks away from my house and a robed Tibetan monk walks past me. Damn. And I just started laughing.
0: <laughs> you were, I was just you like, were wallowing in the I energy was just for so like, I am you... taking myself
1: so seriously right now. I am being such an asshole. And then I got the synchronicity and the message was literally a middle finger to me.
0: Right. It was like, okay, and I can give you one too. That's the thing. If, if you ever get mad at like a deity or God or something, it, it can either manifest like that. Or, I mean, there was one time where I was blaming God all day for shit. I don't remember what happened. I just remembered everything that I was upset about got worse. And so I was like, okay, I'm not going to mock God right now. Uh, even if I'm feeling upset, I don't want this to get worse. Um, so I, I think earlier, uh, it might've been a couple of, I don't even remember a couple episodes ago. I was like, I'm not sure how much I believe in karma or past lives because I don't have like the physical evidence, to know that that's like a reality, uh, but I think I changed my mind on it because uh, I was listening to a podcast. Uh, I was—it's uh, a long story. Uh, the point of it is, is the the psychiatrist basically started doing a modern westernized version of uh, shamanic healing, and he talked about past life regressions and resolving karma, and people got were healing. So I, I've changed my mind. Um, I You know, I can't necessarily say that's actually real or not, but the effect of believing that a past life karma has been resolved will enact healing in the present moment. If that is the result of <clears throat> past life regression or uh, healing or resolving karma, then that's enough proof for me like i can't say <coughs> that definitively that it's like objectively true but it's true enough to that person Excuse that it allowed them to heal themselves or be healed by whatever powers that be
1: it, needless to say if past life regressions aren't real worst case scenario so far as i'm concerned they are a Jungian extension of the dream
0: yeah and you're 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 it's a way of the subconscious to tell you and about yourself.
1: The, 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 the most important thing with the subconscious is that it is a storyteller, but it does not tell stories in linear time the way that you're used to. You don't, your subconscious doesn't tell you the story of Pinocchio starting with him wanting to become a real boy. Your subconscious tells you the story of Pinocchio with
0: the inside of the whale. Yeah. And
1: so you the context is so, so nuanced because it doesn't use linear time to try to explain these stories. So
0: it's like uh, like Tarantino films. Yes, like absolutely. Fiction, absolutely. You it's begin a, at the end and meet somewhere in the middle, and, something and like that. The reason I bring uh, that up to begin with is
1: uh, that as you start to personify these loose-leafed thoughts and organize them, it gives you relief because you're literally worst case scenario, projecting the archetype onto something that you can internalize. Yeah. It feels good. It, it feels does. super good. I like, I did a Tibetan death ritual. I've done a bunch of them, but I did one recently. Have I told you much about that?
0: Um, I don't think you so. like
1: lay down on your bed, crossed your arms and you close your eyes. I like to wrap myself in a brain blank in a blanket, in a blanket mummified, And you just imagine yourself in a casket and you imagine your funeral and I've given myself eulogies in my mind before I've said all the things that I wish I would have done different. All the things that I was thankful that I did. I imagined my friends speaking on my behalf. I imagined them saying good things. I imagined them saying bad things. You get it all out of your system. I imagined my mom crying like all these things. Okay. That reminds me of a Neville Goddard revision well here's the catch here's the catch how it ends this is the the real benefit of a tibetan death ritual is you get through all of it all of it you run the tape and then it's like the end of the vhs where it's just like you know it's a black screen it's like then what it's all over what what happens after that and then that nothingness you just sit in Hmm. you just sit in and you let yourself be cleaned up because what you're doing is you're projecting, you're getting all of this stuff off of your chest about like, well, this is the end. This is this is who I was and this is what I, I tried. And you do all this and then you exist with a clean slate.
0: So it's it's sort of a conscious... Banishing. That's interesting.
1: I like it. It feels really good. I've like sobbed through them before. You really... Because the first things that come to mind, you're like... I need to explore that. You know, like you'll say something to yourself and you'll be like, oh boy, like, why did I think of that first? Yeah. You know, why did I think of my mother saying this about me? You know, and Mm -hmm. then you have to explore like who that archetype is, you know?
0: That's interesting. I'm going to have to give that a shot. It's recommended by
1: Ram Dass for people who struggle with uh, social anxiety.
0: Ooh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And it's sort of like, yeah. And it gives it, I think it placates the psyche's need for like a, a demark for like, that's who I was. But especially if you want to make a major change in your life, it's sort of like consciously killing the past self. So you can then move into a fresher, more, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, a state of consciousness where you can more easily make the changes that you're wanting to make.
1: It's an attempt to kill the ego too, or at least get you to the place where you can see what it's like to let go of the whole thing and then just try to let go. Yeah.
0: That's the hardest part. Cause uh, I think when you make the, or when you help, I should say the ego understand that if you let these other parts of your psyche in, it's not going to die like forever. It might feel like a small ego death. Honestly, I don't, I don't know if I've ever really had an ego death, at least the way that people explain it. Because uh, I still, th- through any psychedelic or magical experience, or even like a trauma, I still feel like myself at the end of it. That's interesting. So, um, sorry, I don't. Oh no, you're it. good. I d- uh, so, I I think there's that that can be a method of sort of showing the ego that it doesn't die, die in the sense that it'll never exist again. It's just more of, you're not the person in charge. You got to be humble. The ego has to be humble enough that it can ask the subconscious, the higher self, the guides, the angels for help. The ego is not
1: eternal. The soul is right. And one thing I, I wanted to say, as far as like an ego death goes, the closest thing that I've had uh, which I think it could have been. It truly doesn't matter if it was because the effect it had on me permanently was so good. I was on LSD. And I couldn't tell where my feet were on the earth. I just kept feeling like I was floating around in space like an astronaut inside of a ship. And it was scaring the shit out of me.
0: That would scare me.
1: And I was like, I my brain is permanently ruined. Like, I'm so fucked And then all of a sudden I like had this revelation that I was doing all of these conditions that were making me feel like I was constrained to something. And then out of nowhere, I literally was like, Oh, the reason I can't feel the ground is not only is there no ground, I'm just a balloon. And I literally just became like this level of freedom. I can't explain of just being a balloon floating around in the sky. And I was just this balloon like floating around in the sky. And I was just laughing so hard about it. I was just like, I am literally like, I just like, I'm so sure that I'm so on the ground. And this is like, th- that was an ego death for me in that regard. Yeah. Let me just like understand that there that's is a no lot. ground. The ground is conditional to what I'm perceiving it as.
0: Yeah. That's a lot of, uh, I think Jungian symbolism can be extracted from that. Totally. I'm not in a place to, I think, accurately, accurately analyze it. Sure. For you, but I can just see, like, anywhere from, like, the concept of, like, not being grounded to the concept of, like, allowing yourself to be a balloon is more freeing or something. But that's super interesting. <clears throat> I need to try LSD. Yeah, I'm... Uh, it... I want to, I want to try it at least once. I'm not like a huge psychonaut guy. I had a friend, um, but I think that uh, psychedelics are extremely helpful or can be extremely helpful.
1: I don't recommend LSD to anybody. I think if you're going to do it, you're, you'll find it. Um, I learned my lesson. Cause before LSD, I was always like, I would always recommend LSD and I would never tried it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you should do LSD. Like, why wouldn't you? Like, that sounds fun. Like, but I was too chicken to do it, you know? And then I did it and I was like, oh yeah, I definitely don't recommend this. Well, no, you gotta like, be prepared. You have to be so,
0: or, you're, or, your you, entire... don't, or you don't, because I wasn't prepared and it changed my whole life. Um, I think it's typical, almost always beneficial. Sometimes it can, if you're not ready for, to basically start resolving whatever karma you do have don't take it. I agree. Also the same with magic. If you're not ready to resolve the, I, your I karma, think this is like magic. a
1: really good, really good conclusion to this is that it, the lesser vanishing ritual and uh, psychedelics are really use at your own risk because here's the thing is like, uh, there's like the BC and the AD of my LSD experiences. There's before I took LSD and after, and it affected every memory I have ever had. Like the way that I view my memories now versus the way I did before LSD are two different things. It changed my awareness of reality. It changed my appreciation for things as much as it uh, enhanced my sadness. Yeah. It made my sadness. So HD Um, and
0: I think it was the sadness you already had. It 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 just just made me aware of it, amplified it and be like, this is what you need to deal with or you're never going to be happy.
1: Yep. I, I very much so, and and so I will say that that set me on a course for lots of tribulations and awakenings and awareness experiences. Uh, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. I would not trade it for the world. Uh, it truly, I think, it made me.
0: It'll put you on the fast track to enlightenment. Oh
1: yeah, I whether absolutely you're ready or not, believe that. And I will say also, uh, it made me a lot nicer. It made me more empathetic. Not all the time, and it's still a work in progress, but it made me actively try to be more kind.
0: I, I think that's my experience as well, especially with trauma resolution uh, and uh, mushrooms and ketamine.
1: Being done with LSD, too, because well, I'm done with it now. I feel like I got the message that I needed, and it's not something that I need to revisit. I'm going to have the same experiences. I, I don't want to, like, minimize LSD uh, if... if
0: I guess my my only counterpoint to that and I think that's if you're if you feel like you've got your message and you're you that's what you need to work on uh, I'm just wondering if there are furthering like physical benefit to the brain healing itself and i'm talking on a material level
1: i would make the case that meditation does the same thing
0: i think it does too. and i think i
1: think the missing ingredient of lsd versus meditation is discipline yeah and when you use that discipline it cultivates a different set of liberation so
0: lsd is more of like a it, it's in, slingshots yeah. it's in in case of fire break glass absolutely um, Whereas meditation is the day to day nitty gritty, like pumping the iron, like going the, it's like going to the gym every day, but for your brain, Absolutely. And for your, and where like LSD could, I mean, if you're having a horrible existential crisis, uh, if you feel like there's no meaning to life, if you feel like, I don't know, LSD could pull you out of certain despair it yeah. could i'm not yeah. saying it will for sure so yeah. obviously you i took it your own I, risk, I took lsd the first time out of
1: desperation yeah i was S- so down and so sad and so many bad things that happened to, to me quote unquote and i was like it, it felt like a suicide attempt the first time i took it i yeah, was well, like i don't high I do, level
0: psychedelics are sort of a simulated death experience they are
1: absolutely a simulated death experience
0: which is good because most of the time most of the time you get something good out of it. And you
1: just realize how conditional death is. And also that death is a privilege. That's something that's really good for my anxiety is when I stop and think about how thankful I am that I eventually get to die.
0: Well, I'm and also, that I want to
1: enjoy all the moments that lead up to it.
0: Cause I used to be somewhat, you know, not like the worst, but you know, had some suicide ideation and all that. Um, <clears throat> and I'm like, now after learning all of this magic shit, I'm like, what if I end it all and I just have to come right back because there's something I didn't learn or something I didn't resolve. That's actually something that I motivate myself with,
1: with a reincarnation (laughs) and uh, this can get a little morbid, but I do think it's, it's honest to have the conversation. Like one of the things that really pulls me out of suicidal ruts um, and they're few and far between for me now. But uh, when I really look at it from a, from an incarnation perspective and think about all of the karma that I'm adding to this experience, Um, And that would, it would just make it more difficult. I mean, it's doable, but it would just be that much more difficult. And, and I, again, I don't want to go there simply from the principle of like where I am now,
0: I see progression with. Yeah. 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 That's a good note, I think. Well, uh, is there anything else uh, you want to go over? on the banishing stuff or not that I could think of. I feel like that was really thorough and I'm very happy with how we disseminated the information. Yeah, I think so too. So I'll add at least that Llewellyn article. I'll go back and listen to uh, the episode and see what else I need to throw in the show notes. Um, And uh, for what we talked about, look there, I'll try to put uh, all the resources that you need. uh, If you want to deep dive, ah, sorry, Dive any deeper into this. Um, I think we should eventually go over either next time or somewhat soon. We'll, we should go over the middle pill- pillar ritual. Um, that's another difference between the Damian Eccles and the traditional Golden Dawn approaches. The traditional Golden Dawn had you banishing and then they taught you the middle pillar, whereas Damian Eccles and he makes a pretty okay argument for why he does this, and we can get into it in that episode he likes to have you do the middle pillar before banishing. I learned it first. Yeah. So um I I learned it second and uh but honestly it doesn't matter. It's what resonates with you, but uh we'll, we'll go over the middle pillar soon. I think it's an important ritual. And uh we'll talk about the kind of some of the differences between these teachers and uh yeah, it'll be good. Um so uh, if you feel, uh, like you want to contribute to us, uh, if you want us to be able to record more often, um, free up some time, also, uh, cover some of like their hosting costs. Um, uh, you can sign up for our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash fake magic. And that's with the CK at the end, uh, all one word, um, there's different tiers. Uh, you'll you can get some merch at the different tiers. so we have some buttons and pins. Uh, we're gonna have a cool like membership card thing um, and hopefully some other cool stuff in the future. Uh, you can also make a one-time donation. I mean like a dollar or five bucks. you know buy us a cup of coffee. Uh, we have a link for that on our link tree. So, uh, that's link tree forward slash fake magic with the C K and the link tree is spelled L I N K T R dot E E. I'll put all the links in the show notes. Um, follow us on most, we're mostly active on Instagram, uh, fake magic pod, all one word magic spelled with the C K at the end, Twitter, fake magic, one word with the C K at the end. So until next time, try banishing. Uh, if you do try banishing, commit to a minimum of 30 days, or you might have a bad time and, uh, love yourself. Love you.